0: Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. Arguments for and against Utah's new political maps now sit before the Utah Supreme Court, and the ruling will have big implications for Salt Lake City. Stick with us for this political theater, because we've got some great picks of the week at the end of this episode. Lead producer Emily Means is here to unpack the news with me. It's Friday, July 14th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. <laughs> Lead producer Emily Means. Good morning. Host Ali Vallarta. Good morning. We have political theater again this week. Ugh,
1: you know, this is like, this is our hot girl summer, I think, <laughs> Ali, like... This is, We're thriving okay. <laughs>
0: in this news cycle. <laughs> we alone. We alone. Yeah, okay. We're going to get into this redistricting court case today, and I became a lawyer overnight, apparently. Um, I'm going to break this down, and we're going to take it step by step here, but before we get into it, I want to just say like two quick things. One... Absolute, massive, huge shout out to public defender with the LDA, Grant Miller, who spent time on the phone with me answering a lot of my burning questions around this case and provided some tremendous insight that I'm excited to share with you, Emily, and also with our listeners. And two, let's just quickly say like why this matters. Um, Sure. Because I think you and I, like we, uh, you know, we have political backgrounds and but like political stuff is not interesting to everyone and so like just to say basically what's happening with this gerrymandering court case that we're about to get into could and may and frankly should determine whether or not salt lake city gets fair and equal representation in our congress which would could mean that like we as a city have our own congressional representative as opposed to having the city cut into multiple districts so that we don't get, you know, we're a tiny piece of four different Congress people's constituency. So if you're a Salt Laker, like, that's why this matters, because it would be nice for our city to be represented in D.C.
1: Yeah. Well, can I add one more shout out, Allie? I read... Every single news story on this, <laughs> on this Supreme Court hearing, I'd love to shout out uh, our local journalists who mm-hmm. did the work for us, did the analysis for us. Um, particularly Fox Thirteen, Salt Lake Tribune, KUER. I really
0: appreciate it, and let's get into it. Yeah. Okay. So here's the background. If you moved to Utah five minutes ago, here's what you need to know about our political maps. Historically, our districts have been drawn by our Republican supermajority, and they have been drawn, many, many Utahns would tell you, to favor Republican candidates. And this is something that Utahns have kind of put up with for a long time now. And the word for drawing maps to suit your political party, whether you're a Republican doing it or a Democrat doing it or a Libertarian doing it, is gerrymandering. And so in 2018, a referendum called Proposition Four, and the organization that came together to get it on the ballot and run this ballot initiative was called Better Boundaries, and it passed by the way. Voters approved it. Voters approved it. Narrowly approved it. Yes. But all the same approved yes. it. And here's what that proposition did. It said that the Utah legislature had to set aside $1 million to establish an independent redistricting commission to draw our district maps. And this was basically meant to be a solution to the problem of gerrymandering that we'd had in the state. So the time comes for the Utah legislature to implement this new law. And what do they do? They basically gut it. They changed it. They changed it. They decided to write a new law to undermine that law.
1: Which if I if I may add a little bit of context,
0: um, isn't something they did
1: just for this ballot initiative. There Mm -mm. were three ballot initiatives that passed in 2018 independent redistricting, uh, medical cannabis and Medicaid expansion. And with every single one of those, the Utah legislature came back and said, No, 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 no. I mean, like, nice try. But we know better on these issues. And so they amended each of those propositions. Mm -hmm.
0: This is their playbook. It is extremely disillusioning, right? And it also raises questions about whether or not it's legal. So the way that they tinkered with this Independent Redistricting Commission's authority is that they turned it into an advisory committee. So it's like if – basically they said – Uh, you're no longer a commission. You are now an advisory board making recommendations that we may consider. So like from the get-go, everyone was kind of on edge because it was like, okay, well, you're basically telling us you're going to ignore whatever this body does. That we're spending a million dollars to fund, right? Yeah. So that independent redistricting advisory committee – did their due diligence. They did their work. They came up with all these different quite fair maps and several versions of the maps that they drew for federal congressional districts created a competitive district for Democrats.
1: And I'll just add really quickly, um, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously, this state is deeply red. It's very Republican, but it wasn't always this way that it was impossible for a Democrat to win in a congressional race. Um, most recently, we had uh, Representative Ben McAdams in congressional district four, uh, and that was just a few years ago. But even before that, you know, we, we did see a more competitive district where it kind of bounced back and forth, Democrat
0: to Republican, Democrat to Republican. But now- So, they go through this process, they draw these maps, and the Utah legislature says, cool maps, bro. We're going to draw our own. We don't like them, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, due to our population, Utah is entitled to four federal congressional districts. And what the legislature did is they drew those four federal congressional districts so that Salt Lake County is split between all four of them. And they all meet at the mouth of Parley's Canyon. Like, they got real in there, okay? Yeah.
1: And, uh, I mean, just to provide this context, the core of... The redistricting process is uh, the results of the census, right? So, like, as the state grows, as our population shifts. Ooh, um, ooh. You know, they redraw the district boundaries to accommodate that population shift. And so, you know, the argument that we always heard was, well, we've got to get we've got to get those numbers right. It's so important that each district has the exact same number of people in it. And the only way to do it is if we split up our
0: urban core. And that's what they did. Yep. So after this happened, people were pissed. And by people... I mean, I think a lot of people, but Emily and I were really pissed. <laughs> hey, now don't, don't
1: bring me into this. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> After this happened, people were people were definitely side eyeing the legislature. Like they were like, well, why? What about the whole process that we just voted for and funded? Like at the end of the day, regardless of whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, no one likes to have their time wasted and their mo- taxpayer dollars wasted. Least right? of all you. Least of all me. So. Then, a coalition that included the League of Women Voters, the Mormon Women for Ethical Government, a handful of voters, they filed a lawsuit. And they said, hey, this Republican supermajority, you guys just intentionally carved up the most progressive part of the state to protect your Republican supermajority, and we're gonna go on like this forever, right? And that is unconstitutional. That undermines the Free and Fair Elections Clause of the Constitution, and also, by the way, It's illegal to write a law changing the outcome of a voter referendum. Like, that is not your job as representative democracy, members of a representative body, right? So the state, in response to that lawsuit, said, sir, your honor, throw out this case. And of course, states can be incredibly arrogant. (laughs) And the district court judge said, no, I'm not going to throw out this case. And so the state went to the Supreme Court, the Utah Supreme Court, and said, "Your honors, throw out this case." And that is an aggressive move and like a pretty entitled pretty move. Ballsy. And the state Supreme Court said, "No, we're going to hear you out basically. Like, okay, state of Utah, you're asking us to throw out this case? Let's have a trial and determine whether or not we should do that." And that's where we are right. Now, And what the Utah Supreme Court is currently determining is whether or not this case should be heard at all. They are not ruling on gerrymandering right now. They're ruling on the validity of this case. Basically, the right of the people to challenge the legislature's authority when it comes to districting. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th, and this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court, and this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. and be one in a class of 19, not 100. Let's take a deep breath. Yeah, right? (laughs) Have you been following these oral arguments, Emily?
1: Oh my God. Okay, so to my delight, I discovered (laughs) that the entire hearing from this past week is on YouTube.
0: Mm. So what am I
1: gonna be doing this weekend, Allie? (laughs) Listening back. Um, but, yeah, I was following along uh, with Salt Lake Tribune columnist Robert Gerke's live tweeting, and mm-hmm. Allie, I was uh, enthralled by yeah. the the conversation that was happening during this case. So, you know, basically the state is saying, listen, it's it's our job, our authority to redraw the maps. That, <laughs> that responsibility lies with us constitutionally. And, uh, you know... It's also within our scope to change citizen ballot initiatives. Yeah. Like the people elect us to make policy, and so we made policy. And, Ali, these Supreme Court justices do not seem to be buying that argument. They no. were poking holes. Uh, ben Winslow from Fox 13's headline, I think, said Supreme Court grills state on redistricting case and I was like whoa what is going on here because basically what they're asking is when do the people have the final word Mm -hmm. like are we going to ping pong back and forth initiative to the legislature changes the initiative back and forth and back and forth forever when do the people have a say and the legislature always says well the people have a say Through our elections. Right. If they don't like what we've done, they can elect someone else. But when we're talking about these districts that are not very competitive or, you know, tend to tend to be Republican strongholds, can they can they like really have a say at the ballot box?
0: Right. I mean, it is it is the, like, recycling circle of death to be like, well, if you don't like it, then go vote about it. And it's like, yeah. okay, well, we're voting in gerrymandered districts, so we have no shot. Well, if you don't like that, then go vote about it. And then, <laughs> <laughs> So, whew, here's what you need to know about this sup- Utah Supreme Court. They are kind of awesome. <laughs> this Utah Supreme Court is unlike any that we've seen in this state for a while, in that it is, first of all, majority female for the first time in the state's history. So, like, we're just seeing this trial come before a group of justices that are... Unique, right? Like if this was being heard 10 years ago in Utah, when we had a lot more partisanship on the court, that might be different. But right now the court is like significantly less partisan. It's majority female. We have an extraordinary lineup of justices right now. They all have extraordinary backgrounds. They're incredibly intelligent. They have no patience for this. Like, they really don't have any patience for this legislature right now and for this, the state's argument right now, that they have, that the state has co-equal powers to the will of the people, right? And I think one of the reasons that this case is so important and so unique, the way that it's playing out in Utah, is also the reason that it is getting national attention. And I think Hmm. it's going to continue to get national attention and it could get Supreme national attention, if you, if you know what I mean. If, if I you, catch your drift, <laughs> if you're smoking what I'm rolling, and like that is because in a lot of cases in in other states and federally that we've seen about gerrymandering or about redistricting, it is basically the court versus the legislature. But in Utah, we have there are three entities in this case, and that is the court the legislature, and the freaking will of the people. Because we have a referendum. We have the receipts of a referendum. We have 50.34% of voters saying, we want this independent redistricting commission to be imbued with these powers, and this is the process we voted for, and you just gutted it. And all of the other cases around the country, they don't have the will of the people. Like They don't have the incredibly sound argument of, an electoral result of a referendum and Mm. so that is a game changer when we think about how the courts are looking at districting and frankly like the outcome of this case in utah could have a ripple effect in in the nation oh my god we always want to be the first in everything yeah take Um. that
1: denver (laughs) Listen, Allie, um, this is really exciting, and I hope other people think this is exciting, too. Um, Mm -hmm. Here's my question. And, you know, you mentioned there are three parties involved in this. (laughs) Uh, But I was really struck by these photos from the hearing uh, of House Speaker Brad Wilson (laughs) just, like, sitting there, watching, you know, observing. And what I'm wondering is... We have a very reactive legislature. Yes. Um, A great example of this is the ballot initiatives. But even beyond that, uh, once they saw that the people could pass ballot initiatives, they made it more difficult to pass ballot initiatives. They put Mm -hmm. restrictions on signature gathering. Like this legislature sees something coming and they're like, oh, shit, we need to write a law about this right now. And so I'm wondering, you know, depending on which way the court rules and if this case goes back down to the lower courts or back up to the Supreme Court, whatever happens, um, can the legislature pass a law in response to whatever happens?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, I love that you brought up Brad Wilson sitting in this courtroom because, like, to sort of deepen deepen the grooves on the painting of that picture, Speaker of the House Brad Wilson, I would argue, is the most powerful person in this state. I think yeah. he actually has more powerful than Governor Cox, and we could probably do a whole show about that. But, like, just trust me. <laughs> he has resources. He has connections. Yes. And he is stealth and he is powerful and he is almost always successful. And, yeah, I mean – Could no matter how the Supreme Court rules on this, could he turn around and try and write a law that disrupts that or that attempts to further undermine that? Yeah, he could. The legislature does it all the time. The Utah legislature passes laws all the time that are basically illegal as a form of posturing For the people, right? And then those laws go to court and they climb all these different legal ladders and they go up, up, up and down, down, down. And that's just kind of like part of their playbook. I mean, look at how basically every law around abortion that they've passed in the past two sessions is tied up in court right now. Mm. Like that is the playbook is... Um, it's a lot of political posturing. So they're not stupid, right? They know what they're doing when they pass something that they know is going to be challenged. Plenty of them are lawyers themselves up there, right? They're either landlords or lawyers, it feels. Both. so Or both. so <laughs> or, or lawyers for landlords. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they could absolutely like resurrect this. But here's why this feels different. Is I wanna bring in just quickly what's happening at the federal Supreme Court. Because, first of all, again, what this the Utah Supremes are ruling on right now is whether or not this case should even be dismissed. Like they are not ruling on gerrymandering. They might, right? Like probably likely they're going to say this case should not be dismissed. It's going to go back to a trial court. It's going to work its way back up to the Supreme Court as a case actually about gerrymandering, and we're going to be back here again in like a year, right? Um, But the United States Supreme Court, though they have made some really conservative decisions, and it might surprise some listeners to hear this, has been coming down pretty hard on gerrymandering lately. Hmm. And there was a ruling in June of this year, Moore versus Harper, that basically said, and it, was, it came out of North Carolina and all these like, shenanigans around the North Carolina districting, that legislatures do not have ultimate and unchecked control over districting. That has just been ruled federally. State Supreme Courts can intervene and they can check their work. So the Supreme Court of the United States of America has kind of already said Utah legislature, the court and the people have the right to challenge you. So if you are the state of Utah and you are on the losing end of this, do you want to see this go all the way up, for example, to the federal Supreme Court? I mean, you could kind of end up getting embarrassed by what you might think are your own people, right? Brad Wilson says, never tell me the odds. Right, and <laughs> and like why is the federal Supreme Court coming down so hard on gerrymandering right now? Well, I think because it's become a bipartisan problem. Like in the state of New York, Democrats just redistricted to protect every single Democratic seat and give several Republicans the boot. So um, this is becoming a bipartisan problem and the court sees it that way. And so I think, like, no matter how they try and wiggle their way around this, right now, the national and local landscape is not looking very cozy for the legislature in terms of drawing themselves safe seats.
1: (sighs) Okay. Well, listen— We don't even know the timeline for when this when the state Supreme Court will uh, make a decision on this case,
0: on -hmm. this appeal. It could be months. It could be months before they even rule on whether or not this case should be thrown out. Yeah. Meanwhile, one of those congressional seats is up for (laughs) reelection.
1: Interesting timing, Allie. Interesting timing. Honestly, honestly. Yep. So that's that. Well, thank you.
0: Ali Vallarta Esquire, (laughs) constitutional scholar. Again, massive shout out to Grant Miller at the LDA, who's also not a constitutional scholar, but a huge nerd. I hope you're still with us, listeners, because it's time for Pick of the Week. And this is when we share the things that we are most excited about or most highly recommend this week. Okay, Emily Means, what is your pick of the week? Okay,
1: I'll go first. It is going to be freaking hot this weekend. I think Mm. we're looking at uh, lower hundreds in Salt Lake City. Which is Ooh, ick. Duh. Ugh, it's rough. Okay.
0: Who am I to pretend I don't love that? I'm thrilled. I love no, it. No. <laughs> it's it's too hot. It's too hot. But
1: I have a heat-related volunteer opportunity to offer. Okay. On Saturday, volunteers will be collecting data in Salt Lake City to determine where in Salt Lake City it's the hottest. Uh, You'll be driving around specific routes in the city over three separate one-hour periods using a data collection device attached to your car to figure out the surface temperature... All across the city. And then that data is going to be used to create a heat map, which will probably confirm what we already know about which areas of the city are the hottest. It's super cool, Allie. A great opportunity. On top of that, you can get a $25 gift card for participating. And I will put more information in the show notes for anyone who wants to help map out our heat zones in the city. I
0: am so into this and I am there.
1: Listen, I was gonna do it, but I don't have air conditioning in my car. (laughs) So maybe I'll hop in your car. Yeah. (laughs) It's just too hot to not have air conditioning in your car if you're gonna drive around for three
0: hours. I like how we transitioned from me going carless convinced by you to me driving you around in my car. (laughs) Listeners are probably like- This is all part of my plan. "Uh, We missed something. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Okay, love that. That's an excellent pick of the week. my pick of the week also involves a gift card. (laughs) So my pick of the week is give blood. And I feel like I'm always talking about this on this show. But on Tuesday, ARUP, which is my favorite place to give blood in Salt Lake City, they are the local blood bank. Uh, 100% of the blood that you give there like goes down the street, basically to the University of Utah or the Huntsman Cancer Institute. Like on the note of thinking hyper local, which we love to do on this show. Like give your blood locally. They need a hundred donors a day to walk in there and give in oh, order to meet the need at the U and the, at Huntsman because the university is a level one trauma center, so they see a lot of trauma patients, and they they sometimes get patients who need as many as like fifty. Basically the equivalent of 50 to 100 donations. So if you give blood at ARUP, which they have a location in Sandy and as well at at Research Park by the university, any day in July, they will give you a $10 Megaplex gift card. So bring your friends and then go see Oppenheimer or Barbie at the Megaplex with your gift card. Like, are you kidding? Allie, some people might be kind
1: of nervous to give blood. I haven't done it in a really long time. That's because the last time I did it, I passed out, and that's why I have this scar on my eyebrow. But uh, anyway, you actually hosted a podcast episode while donating blood. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you just proved that anyone can do it. Yeah,
0: and that's the real difference between you and I, (laughs) (laughs) Emily. That's why you're the host, buddy. (laughs) You know what? The folks at ARUP are such pros. The giving of the blood part is the quickest part of the whole like thing. It's a lot of like questions, and then that part takes like literally three minutes. It's not painful. It doesn't hurt. If you're an adult, I don't want to hear that you're scared of needles. I love you, but like you can do this. Um, the other thing that's really exciting about giving blood this week is that on Tuesday, July 18th, ARUP will become one of the first – blood banks in the entire nation to accept donations from gay men. That's huge. They are launching the new FDA-approved program, changing up the questions so that they no longer ask you who you have sex with, but how often you have sex and when and how and things like that. And so basically, like the line of questioning is no longer homophobic, um, and that means that a lot of gay men will be able to donate. Now, not all of them. It's important to know that if you are taking PrEP, which is a miracle drug, you are not able to donate. And there are, I don't want to really get into the sort of medical specifics. So, um, you can check their website for more details, but pop in and see if you can give, um, if you'd like to in celebration of this new FDA ruling on Tuesday, July 18th. And I'll be in there Monday. I'm giving at 1 p.m. So if you'd like to come to the ARUP at Research Park and donate blood with me at 1 p.m. on Monday, July 17th, I'll be there. Oh, by the way, it's the middle of the work day, Emily. So I'm, yeah, be- I- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, don't, don't we have work so, at that time? I'm pretty sure we have a one-on-one at 1230, but okay. <laughs> uh, yes, I will be making all of my meetings and giving blood because you know what? Women can have it all. And with that, let's get out of here. <laughs> Emily, it's always a joy to end the week with you. I will see you on Monday. See you Monday, Allie. Maybe in the chair. Maybe in the chair. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Emily Means. Our producers are Ivana Martinez and Lizzie Goldsmith. Our newsletter editor is Terina Ria, and our host is me, Ali Vallarta. Music is by the local band Mitochondria. We will be back Monday morning with more from around this city. Have a great weekend. Bye.